Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, found in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles on page 187. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Prepare our heart, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, my brothers and sisters. To those of you who are here with us in person, or if you're worshiping with us online, God bless you. It's good to know that you're here. I want to, as we already heard through the worship, the music, uh, the prayers, uh, we are in a season, a short season, where we're talking about prayer as a congregation. And uh, today's message is all about intercession, intercessory prayer. 
The series, as you can see on the screen, is called Face to Face with God. And it's based on the assumption that prayer is an essential practice in the life of every Christian. You're really not going to do well as a believer if you're not figuring out how to set time in your life to be with God. It just uh, is so critical. And the other thing we're emphasizing as we've talked about prayer is that it's not about getting stuff. And I know I have often prayed about things that I want God to give me, but it is so much bigger than that. It really is wrapped up in that line face-to-face -face with God, prayer as friendship with God, prayer as communication and time spent with God. And then we, we asked everyone during the month of February, and maybe my faith wasn't big enough, big enough I would maybe... If I had the big faith, I would say through the rest of the year to actually practice that format of praying, the A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And you'll notice that the supplication comes at the end because it's the, then that we begin to ask God for things and we pray about things. But the rest of it, it starts first with an orientation as to who is God? God is to be adored. We confess before God. We give thanks to God. Once we are oriented to God, then we begin to make our, our supplication. And then I added another word there, and that's the word listen. Because prayer then is not a monologue, but it's a dialogue where we are speaking and then we're stopping to listen to hear what God might say to us. So I have a, a question for you. Uh, have you ever heard of a prayer chain? And for those of you who are sort of, you're a church mouse, you spend a lot of time around churches, you've heard of a prayer chain before. But it's quite possible that we're speaking to people here today or people who have joined us online for whom this concept of a prayer chain is a foreign concept. It doesn't make sense. But a, but a prayer chain is simply when a group of people are linked together for the sole purpose of praying for people and their needs as those needs arise. And right now in our church, we have, as I understand it, about 70 folks on our prayer chain who pray about a variety of concerns that are brought to them through our congregation and by other means. And so I want to give a big shout out to, to, to Bob Bastian. And I want to give a big shout out to Bob Sefton. Because when Bob Sefton was alive before he went home to Jesus and Bob Bastian, I used to call them the Bobs. They would manage this prayer chain. And so you had a concern and you would send it on to them, one of them, and somehow within that hour or before the end of that day, 70 plus people are lifting up the concern that you have. Now, there's one more thing I want to mention to you because right now, Bob Bastian is managing this prayer chain by himself. And the last time I had checked, Bob is looking for someone with a heart for people someone who believes in the power of prayer to help him manage this ministry. And if you are interested, as we heard in the announcements, you could put it on that, uh, 
that connection card or you could reach out and just let them know you're interested and see how that works out. But the reason why I mentioned the prayer chain is that when you pray on behalf of someone else, you are actually doing intercessory prayer. Let me give you some examples. Here's one of them. The Lord, and this is from Deuteronomy, the Lord was, was so angry with Aaron that God was ready to destroy him because Aaron you know, allowed the people to just turn him upside down and he built a calf for them, a golden calf, and then told the people, worship this idol. This is the God that delivered you from, from Egypt. And so God was not pleased with that. But notice that line, but I, that's Moses, I interceded also on behalf of Aaron at that same time. So you can picture God wanting to judge Aaron and Moses steps between them and Moses intercedes. He prays for his brother. Another one, Phineas from Psalm 106. He stood up and he interceded. Phineas was a priest who stood up and interceded uh, and the plague that God had poured out on the people because of their rebellion in the, in the wilderness, that the plague was stopped. I love this one. He talks about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit likewise helps us, rather, let, let's go back to this one. The Spirit helps us by interceding for us. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we should pray, but, but that very Spirit, the Holy Spirit, intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Isn't that beautiful? That's a beautiful thought. And then Jesus from Romans. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, and is at the right hand of God who intercedes for us. Think about that. Jesus, right now, at the right hand of God, is interceding for you. If you want to read one of the, the most magnificent scenes where someone is interceding on behalf of another person, read the Gospel of John. Somewhere from around chapter 14 or 15 through 17, and you see the wide range of things that Jesus prayed for, not so much for himself, but he was praying for the disciples and he was praying for the world. And then I love this one also, where it tells us in Timothy, where Paul, as he was mentoring that young pastor, he said, first of all, then I, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings, for all who are in high positions, so that they may lead a quiet life, a peaceable life in all godliness and in dignity. And you know what I conclude when I read those passages and so many others that we could have read this morning is that there are many different ways in which intercession is happening. People clearly are called to intercede and often when we're interceding through prayer we're doing it because something is happening something is happening in somebody's life something is happening in somebody's church something is happening in the neighborhood in the city in the nation around the world and that person begins to pray it happens during times of need but we also read that the holy spirit is involved in intercession 
And Jesus himself continues to intercede from heaven. And so what I want to do this morning before I take my seat, I just want to pour some energy into you. I want to pour some energy. I want you to be activated this morning with the thought that you are called to intercede for others. James says we should pray for one another. And you can do that. We can do that. And I want you to believe this morning as a result of these thoughts I'm going to share with you. I want you to believe this morning that when you intercede for another person, a situation, that it's a loving thing to do. It is a loving thing to do when you intercede for somebody else and it makes a difference. So, Again, we have been milling around the book of Ephesians for the last few weeks. Six chapters in the book. And if you read the book very carefully, one of the things you're going to notice when you read the book is that it actually opens with a prayer. Now, in that ACTS format for prayer, I told you one of the ways we can pray is to pray prayers of thanksgiving. And Ephesians 1 begins with this prayer Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul begins to thank God for the many, many ways in which God has blessed us. And then he goes from there into that, that end of chapter 1, and it says that Paul kneels before God, and he begins to pray for the church, and he says, I remember you. I remember you in my prayers. Can you picture that? Has that ever happened to you before where someone comes to you and says, you know, I was thinking about you. The difference is when Paul says, I was thinking about you, he says, I'm also praying for you. And then you go over to chapter 3, and then Paul says in chapter 3, I bow my knees before the Father and I pray. And he prays and he intercedes to God the Father for a very specific set of things that only God can do. And that's one of the reasons I want you to hold on to this concept of intercessory prayer. The reason why we do it, it's because we are praying to God for a set of things that only God can do. Think about it, guys. If I have a problem and I know you can fix my problem, or if you have a problem, and you know that I can fix your problem, then you don't need to go to God, and I don't need to go to God, because together we are going to solve our problems. And then some people even have the audacity to say, I can figure it out, so I don't need to go to God. But intercession, though, has to do with this notion that there are some things in this life that there is no power on earth, no human agency on this earth that can solve the problem that's going on in this person's life. There are some things that only God can do, and that's the basis for prayer and intercessory prayer. So the question is, who is an intercessor? And these people tend to be very bold. They're assertive in prayer that is they can be introverts and yet be bold and they come in all sizes they come in all shapes all gender all ages intercessors what brings them together what marks them out 
is that they pray big. They pray boldly. They pray persistently. And they pray in faith. And they embrace that scripture in Matthew 7. That's it when Jesus says, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. And they take those words to heart and they just keep on coming to God on behalf of other people. These are people who believe that the God to whom they pray that this God hears, that God cares, and that God has the power to do more than they could ever ask or think. And then you get to chapter 6 of Ephesians and Paul does one more dive into prayer as he tries to equip the church for the spiritual conflicts that are around them. And essentially, Paul is saying that the church has to be strong in the Lord in order to overcome the spiritual attacks and the conflicts that are coming against the church. And this is why we need to pray. And Paul tells the church, as we heard through the children's message, that we should put on this whole armor of God. And as you read through Paul's section of his prayer, the armor of God is not literal, right? We, we heard that already. The armor, Paul speaks about it metaphorically. He speaks about it as a figure of speech. He's trying to make a point. And he says to the church, you need the armor of God. You need the strength of God because there is an adversary who hates you. There is an adversary who hates the fact that you are even here this morning. It is so cold, you could have come up with 10 zillion excuses and just stay home, but you're here this morning, and the devil hates that. In Revelation 12, the adversary is described this way, that he works night and day. Imagine that. 7-Eleven, no night off, no days off, and he accuses God's people night and day. He tries to trip you up. He tries to discourage you. He tries to weaken you. He wants you to turn away from the church, turn away from Jesus. It's just a bunch of hypocrites, all right? So forget them and just go on with your life. He wants you to take your eyes off Jesus and put your eyes on people. And Paul reminds the church that their struggle, now I want you to hear this this morning, their struggle is not with each other. In fact, he puts it this way, your struggle is not with flesh and blood. Can we just hear that this morning? Can we just be encouraged by that this morning? Can we just give each other a little more grace this morning? Don't get discouraged so easily by what people do. Don't get so easily triggered by what people do. Oh, they didn't say it right. They didn't wear the right clothes. They didn't use the Queen's English. I mean, come on now. Our struggle is not with each other. The church's struggle is not with flesh and blood, but it's against powerful, powerful, ancient, evil, cunning, invisible forces whose goal is to destroy the church. Read Matthew 4, read Ephesians 4. And who does Jesus meet in the wilderness? That ancient dragon. So what are the elements of this armor? Truth, 
righteousness, sharing the gospel, walking in faith, embracing the God of your salvation, cleaving to the Word of God. If you do that, you're putting on an armor. If you do that, you're going to be strong in the Lord. And God, through the wisdom that God gives to Paul, is saying to the church, these are the things that the church needs, truth and righteousness and sharing the gospel and living by faith and walking in the salvation of God and, and, and holding on to God's word, and you're going to be strong. And the question is, how do we put on the whole armor of God? How do we put it on? Why do we put it on? We put it on because of the enemy. We put it on because it's a fight. We put it on because it's a struggle. And we don't just put it on once, but every day as we pray, as we walk in the truth, as we live into the righteousness of God, as we share the gospel, as we live by faith, and so on and so forth, we're actually putting on that armor day after day. How do we put the armor on? And Paul gives the answer. He says we should pray in the Spirit at all times, in every, with every prayer and supplication. Don't miss this, friends. When you pray, when you pray, you become stronger, not weaker. When you pray, you are walking as an overcomer. You're not going to be defeated. Pray in the Spirit, Paul says, at all times. And we already heard how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us even in our weakness. Sometimes we don't even know what to pray, how to pray, and the Holy Spirit will come and will help you to pray in the Spirit. And there's this sense that we're always on call. We're always on call. There's always something going on that we need to be praying about. Because when you're an intercessor, you're seeing things, you're hearing things, you're, you're coming into the understanding of things. And so it brings you to prayer. I think about our church. 154 years on this corner, and why are we still here? It's because over the 154 years, God has raised up people in this church to put on the armor of God and to intercede and to pray for first we have an army of intercessors right now in this church who are meeting at all different times, whether it's the prayer chain or the mission group or other small groups and varieties of groups and individuals who are praying while the devil is busy night and day trying to undermine, the intercessors are busy night and day building up. And it is so encouraging. Isn't it encouraging when somebody says, I'm praying for you? Isn't it encouraging, at least for me, when I hear people say, Pastor Ray, I pray for first prayers. That's, that's the most melodic sound that I can ever hear. And notice how Paul describes these intercessors in verse 18. He says they're alert, not asleep. They're always persevering always making supplication for all the saints. And I think that's what the people on the prayer chain are doing. They're praying for you. And I know right now that some of our brothers and sisters here at First Prayers, you are going through some deep waters. And I'm telling you, the folks on the prayer chain have your back. We have your back. We're praying for you. But then Paul does something very interesting after that. 
He's been telling the people he's praying for them. And then he turns around. This is the apostle of prayer. This is the great intercessor. And he turns around to the church and he says to them, in a very humble, in a very transparent way, in a very vulnerable way, he says to them, guys, would you pray for me too? And he says, here's how I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me so that when I speak God's word, God would use me. He asked them to pray for him. Can you imagine that? It's really a beautiful thing when somebody says, can you pray for me? And after the service, you're going to see some people standing up here, and they're here to pray for you. These people are intercessors. They want to bless your life. So come and receive prayers from them. So they said, Paul, would you, would you pray for me, church? He says to them. And they said, of course, Paul. We'll pray for you. And he says, pray for me in my preaching. Pray for me in my preaching so that when I speak, God may give me a message. Pray that God helps me to speak with boldness. And oh boy, you can imagine the boldness that he needed in that Greco-Roman culture, going from city to city, from experience to experience, that God would give me the boldness to preach the message of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel. And I can almost hear the church saying to Paul, anything else, Paul, anything else you want us to pray for? Paul says, yes, as you guys know, I'm in jail. I'm in jail because you've been praying for me that I would preach with boldness, and guess what? They finally put the chains on me, and they've thrown me into jail. So please pray, he says, that while I'm in prison, I may boldly declare, and there's that word again, boldly. Paul loves that word, boldly. He's in jail, and he still wants boldness, that I will boldly declare God's, God's message to my inmates and to the Roman guards. Pray for me. How many of you do that? How many of you are willing to be humble, to be vulnerable, to be open, and to say, would you please pray for me? Do you ever ask people to pray for you? Don't ever allow yourself to live such a private, closeted, Teflon-coated life that you remain aloof. Can we pray for you? Oh, I'm good. Can we pray for you? Oh, no, you know, things are going well. Can we pray for you? Oh, no, so many other people need prayers. No, that's okay. Don't ever put yourself in that situation. You're missing a blessing, and you're also assuming that you have it together, and you know you don't. Let people know what's going on in your life because there are so many intercessors in this house who are ready to touch heaven on your behalf. So let's close with these last few thoughts. What's so great about prayer then? Why am I making such a big deal about prayer? Let me tell you this. I read John 14 and verse 13, and Jesus said these words, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified. Is there any other bigger motivation to pray, to pray in such a way that God gets enlarged, God is glorified, 
God is magnified. The glory goes to God. That's one of the reasons why we pray. That is what is so great about prayer. And it's one of the mysteries of prayer that when you pray, God receives the glory. Something happens in heaven. Something happens in the heavenly court when little old people like you and me would dare to pray. Heaven is touched. And I think that when we don't pray, that there are things that God doesn't do because you and I don't pray. But here's the reason, another reason why prayer is so great. Intercessory prayer is that open admission. And we need to put ourselves in those places where we openly admit that, God, we can't do this without you. We need you. God, help me to turn away from myself and my false confidence and turn to you because you are the one. You are my help and my stay. You are my hope. Prayer humbles us as the needy one coming to the God who is so wealthy. And so I often say to myself that a prayerless Christian is like a, a bus driver. His bus or her bus is stuck in the rut and the bus driver gets out and starts pushing the bus, trying to push the bus out of the rut and they are totally oblivious that a passenger on the bus by the name of Clark Kent is there. Just say, hey, Clark, I need your help. I can't get this bus out of the rut. Clark says, no problem. A flick of the finger, the bus is out of the rut. A prayerless Christian is like having a, a stack of Uber Eats cards in your, in your wallet, at your house, in your pocket, in your purse, and every day you wake up, you're scavenging for food. You're doing, you're doing dumpster dives. And the reason why you're doing it is because you can't read. And you don't understand what these gift cards mean. And you're out there scavenging for food, and all you had to do was sit at home and punch in a few numbers, and the food will come to your door. That's what a prayerless Christian is like. That's what's so great about prayer, that God hears us. And it's because God is good. God is merciful. And God is wise. And God is powerful beyond measure. And we're trying to do life on our own. And so my question this morning is, where are all the intercessors? Where are the intercessors? Are you one of them? Is God tugging on your heart this morning to pray big, bold prayers for first prayers? Is God tugging on your heart this morning to pray big, bold prayers for Evanston, for Chicago, for the people that you know whose life are filled with pain? Is God moving your heart to intercede for your neighbors? I hope so. I want to ask you again as I close this morning to spend some time. Make some time in your schedule this week to do just that. A moment to adore God. A moment to confess to God. A moment to thank God. A moment to make your requests be known to God for others. And then a moment to just listen 
and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And listen to me, friends, you don't need to come back and report to me. I take Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mount very literally. He said the Pharisees are the ones who want to showcase themselves as being people of prayer, and they pray long prayers filled with big fancy words. But Jesus says, the people who get through to me, the people who move my heart, the people who bring, who bring the kingdom of God to earth are people who pray quietly in their closet. Nobody's seeing them. Nobody's hearing them. To me, that's the real test of prayer, right? That you are alone with God. You're alone with a small group of people. You're alone with another person, and you are praying to God. And Jesus says, the Lord who sees you praying in secret is going to reward you openly. The God who sees you quietly, where those roots of prayer go deep into the soil, is going to burst forth with evident fruit. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. And I want to ask you this morning, I'm, I'm believing God. What I see in my mind is that all of the small groups, the universe of small groups in our church, that's what I see in my mind, that you are taking time to light a fire of prayer in your group. I see parents with their kids, teaching their kids before they go to bed just how to quietly and simply pray through that model. Is that the only way to pray? No. But so many of us, we struggle with concentrating. We're, a, we're an, a, a cell phone generation, and our, our, our ability to just, just put it aside, even for two minutes, is very hard. And that's why I'm offering that. It's not the only way, but it just helps us to hang our prayers on those little pegs. Friends, the reason why I'm so impassioned about that is because I believe that our church and your ministry at work and your ministry at home and your ministry in the church and our congregation and our community and Ukraine and Russia and Yemen and the world They need our prayers. One last thing. I know. How many one last things did I say? All right, this is the one last thing. So my daughter gave me this, this, uh, this uh, journal. Uh, it was actually in 2019 for my birthday. And... Uh, I, um, I've kept this, and what I do, I write a lot of prayers in here. And I'm glad you can't see it, because some of your names are on it. And what I do with this, the reason why I do it, it's just to or, or organize my mind as I'm interceding. I write down the names of the people and the situation. Now, if you were to examine this, some of them, I've, I've pulled a line through it, because God has answered the prayer. And then the other thing I've been doing lately, and again, I'm not flexing before you this morning. I, I am a sinner saved by grace. It just helps me. I've been lately, I've been writing down the kind of prayers I want to pray on Monday, and then the prayers, I write one for Tuesday, for Wednesday, for Thursday, for Friday, for Saturday, and for Sunday. And I organize it. Lately, I've been doing that, just organizing prayers that way. So come Monday, there are some things I really, really want to emphasize. And what does that do for me? It helps me to focus. It gives me a pathway. 
Because prayer, I'm telling you guys, it's a discipline. That's the reason why many of our churches don't pray, because it is hard. It's like going to the gym, and after a while, you, you, you get a burst of energy, and then you stop going. I want us to make prayer and intercession a lifestyle. And so this helps me to do that. And if this is helpful for you, I would encourage you to do it. I'm not the first to come up with this. I just want to encourage a fire of prayer in first prayers because we have Clark Kent on the bus and we're doing too much pushing. We have a pack of Uber Eats in our pocket and we're dumpster diving. And here is this God who is just this generous being who is ready to hear us and move upon our lives and the situations that we're praying about. And so many of us are not utilizing prayer. So I want to encourage you this morning to light that fire of intercessory prayer in your home, in your small groups, and in all the places of your life, and watch God move. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say,